He's not enough of a G to pull that off. What it is, what it do. This is Rambling, your weekly Rams podcast that brings you inside of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from Los Angeles, California. The Rams are 9-5 and five after losing to the Jets at SoFi Stadium. McVay said post-game he was sick to his stomach. But these guys, the resilient group, they have to get it together. They got two more games, two more divisional matchups. Seattle this weekend, Arizona Again, back at home. So let's bring in one of the best people to break it all down. Joining me today, friend of the podcast, friend of mine, watch him on NFL Network, listen to him on his podcast, Huddle and Flow. Learn from him on Twitter, Weish89. He is a proud HBCU alum. Blessed to know the man, Steve Weish. Thank you for joining. Serena, what it do? What it do? <laughs> Steve, we got we to gotta sprinkle some positivity here, just a little bit. Just added to the mix. Um, the Rams have two more games to get it together. What are you thinking well, here? We got well, C- they, Seattle. They no, yeah, they, they've got no choice. I mean, they put themselves in a position now where they have no choice, and they're going to have to play through week 17 unless Arizona loses this week to the 49ers. Um, look, the one thing we've seen from the Rams is they come back from losses and play well. They lose to the Dolphins. They come back earlier this season, and they beat Seattle. They get to Russell Wilson six times. Russell doesn't even look at DK Metcalf, and when he does, Jalen Ramsey is there. Okay, so it can work again. I mean, the Rams have beaten Seattle five out of the last six times. Don't think the Seahawks aren't tired of hearing that, though. Whereas things are problematic going into this game, Serena, though, for the Rams. Seattle's defense is playing a lot better. I mean, Carlos Dunlap has been fantastic. Joel Adams has been fantastic. Okay, these are two players on the pass rush, and the pass rush has been a problem for the Rams. I mean, Jared Goff. There's no way to skate around it. I mean, he's got 16 giveaways this year. That's insane. You're not going to win the ball, the ball game, giving it away that many times. They've got 22 giveaways this season, and Jared is responsible for 16. Um, he has got to protect the ball. The lack of bounce with this offense is, to me, you know, here's Sean McVay talk about lack of consistency, and that's been the issue. And you can see Sean's trying to change it with the way he mixes up tempos and things like that. And they're just kind of muddling right along because Jared has not gotten to the rhythm consistently. And, and that has to happen against Seattle this week because if Seattle wins, they clinch the division. All of a sudden, the Rams are, are in a must win in week 17. Yeah, a win over or a tie with Seattle. The Bears have to lose or tie with the Jags. And then, yeah, the Cardinals, as you mentioned, they got to they got to get a win over the 49ers. Um, so it's tough. It's tough. It can be done. The Rams have beaten Seattle. They've beaten the Cardinals. Um, but either way, it will be tough. And you mentioned the offense. Cam Akers is now out for the Seahawks game with a high ankle sprain. However, Cam Akers was not in this mix when we were talking about the run game for the Rams, right? Henderson and Brown, they were holding it down in the beginning of the season. How do you kind of see them coming back into the mix? Because now we're going to be leaning on those two guys. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I mean, the run game, um, as we've seen, is, is a you know, look, Cam Akers is special. I'm not taking anything away from him, but it's a kind of system design run game. This is going to be up to the offensive line to block and set it up. Because if the run game works, the passing game works. We know all the, pla- the play action passing success 
that the Rams have. This is how it's set up. Daryl Henderson is more than capable of hitting the explosive plays, catching the ball out of the backfield. We know Malcolm Brown is a finisher in the red zone, right? Plus, he's very good at pass protection. So unless they sustain another injury there, I think they're in, in pretty good shape when it comes to that. In Seattle, you can hit them against the run. I mean, Bobby Wagner is there, but you can do some things to kind of catch him in the run game, as the Rams showed earlier this year. Hey, and you can also add Robert Woods to the run game because that dude just Robert went – he was uh, gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, and these, are, and these are things that people don't recognize enough about the Rams' run game. I mean, so much of what they do, especially on first and second down, are those jet sweep runs. They love to push teams to the perimeter to get them chasing, chasing, chasing in the first half. And then the second half, hit them up the gut. But they've got to have success doing that. And that takes a lot of, again, blocking, timing, and just getting into an offensive rhythm, which is just, they're just, they've been all over the place with that this season. And I think that's been real disappointing. Do you think Whitworth coming back, you know, there's a possibility he was on the sidelines. I saw him jogging pregame before the Jets game. Do you see maybe him, if he comes back, making a bigger impact with the entire offense? He could. I mean, it's not like the offensive line is playing poorly. Um, I think Joe Noble stepped in there and, and done some pretty good, pretty good things. And then they've got the blocking tight ends who can come in, again, schematically to do some things to kind of cover up any weaknesses. But wit is wit. I mean, the respect that he commands with his team and around players around the league, um, you know, you've heard me say it several times on air, two most respected players by their peers in the NFL are Frank Gore and Andrew Whitworth. I mean, two of the more senior guys, but in terms of just leadership, guts, and showing up for their teammates – I mean, they, they, they're held in very high regard. So I think if Witt is able to come back during the playoffs and, and be healthy, it might even be necessary. And then be able to have some depth along the offensive line, it's going to be huge because the Rams, you know, again, they've got to beat Seattle to win the division. But either way, they're not going to have home games all the way throughout. And let's say they continue right. to go, they have to go through Green Bay. They may have to go through New Orleans. I mean, you got to run the ball to beat those teams. And, and that's where the offensive line depth is important. For sure. You mentioned it. Guys who have respect, what makes me happy? Pro Bowl talk. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey are in. I'm not surprised. Are you? <laughs> no. I mean, they're, they're two of the best in the position. Aaron Donald, um, in my opinion, should be in the running for MVP. Um, and, and here's why I say that. Okay, think about the last Seattle game, right? Six sacks, none by Aaron Donald. But I was talking to Brandon Staley uh, before the game. He was saying we're going to move Aaron Donald inside to kind of nose tackle because Seattle was starting its backup center. First start ever at center. So he knew the Seahawks were going to give him a lot of help from both sides. Triple team Donald on a lot of plays. So he said Aaron Donald's impact is going to be the effect he has on other people. Well, we saw Terrell Lewis and Leonard Floyd and all these guys eat. That's a valuable player, elevating other people. Even when he doesn't show up on the stat sheet, Look what happens to other people. So he should be in that conversation. Lost to the Jets is always going to be a stain on everybody's resume, even though it had nothing to do really with the defense. And then Jalen Ramsey's fantastic. I mean, you, you talk to coaches, it's not just the coverage skills. It's his ability to reroute guys, throw off the timing of the passing game. But what Brandon Staley's done with him, and I thought this is brilliant, he says we move Jalen around, not necessarily to trail always the other team's best receiver, well, let's say we've got a blitz coming from one side. We'll put Jalen in the slot right there to be a run protector or to pick up somebody who's in the void where the blitz is coming from. 
that is a dynamic athletic skill set that only a few, few people like Jalen Ramsey have. And now that he's put into kind of this flexibility position that Staley's put him, he's really shining. I mean, what he does in the run game, you know, the player I compare him to a lot is Charles Woodson, you know, who's going into the Hall of Fame this year, most likely. First got Hall of Famer, moved him around a lot in the same way. Jalen's just bigger and, and got a little bit of different athletic, you know, makeup. But I think that's a fair comp. Yeah. Seventh straight for AD getting into the Pro Bowl. Fourth straight for Jalen Ramsey. And to your point, especially on Aaron Donald, I mean, you, you watch that Kenny Young touchdown that was because of that was because of Aaron. Right. Even just the the sack that Morgan Fox got against the Jets, that was Aaron because Aaron held down two guys and it opened up the spot for Morgan Fox to get to Sam Darnold. So Wait, Aaron Donald, I'm with you. Prime example, you talk about the Kenny Young pick six. I mean, he mm-hmm. disrupted the screener, right? The running back is coming out on the screen. He just gave him a little flipper, right? Threw him off the route. The ball is up where it's supposed to be, but then Kenny steps in, houses it with Aaron and Jalen escorting him to the end zone. I mean, so, again, that's the impact. He's going to have a lot of challenges this year for even defensive player of the year because Xavier Howard for the Miami Dolphins has been insane, and he's someone people are really starting to recognize. Um, and with their success, you know, he's going to get some love, but I think Aaron's going to be right there in the competition. DJ Watt, too. I'd throw his name in the next. He's been phenomenal. DJ Watt. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping. Uh, I was hoping we had a uh, Aaron and Jalen on punt return, seeing Simba almost break it, and just needed two, just one more lead block. And I was like, Oh, Ad and Jalen would have got him. I gotta tell you one thing: if I if I'm Sean McVay, right, and I, and I look at what some teams are doing, especially short yardage or red zone, I'm putting Aaron Donald at running back. I'm putting him in at running back, if not as a lead blocker. We've seen him with the ball in his hands or escort. He can run the ball as long as he's not coughing it up. I mean, take the pads off the arms, whatever. But, I mean, I see Christian Wilkins there for the Dolphins playing like fullback sometime to lead things into the end zone. I'd, I'd give him a shot, man. The, dude's, the dude can do it. If I recall correctly, he's been begging McVay for one goal line package for about four years now. So, Yeah, I think it might be – I think it might be time for Sean to uh, crack that shell and make it happen. Oh, my gosh. That's like ultimate tech mobile, like just run down, kill everything. Oh, my gosh. Catch it. If you threw it to him, I bet he can, right. he, he I've, can catch it. I've seen him make he, – he takes like one-handed catches in the jugs, like at the jugs machine. They, like mm-hmm. he, These guys are phenomenal athletes. They're not just defensive right. linemen. Like they're just absolute studs. So he could do it for sure. Donald. Oh, I like that. That makes me feel good. Um, All 99 checking in as an eligible receiver. Then you know something is up. The world stops for just a small (laughs) second. Like, everyone's like, huh? Um, (laughs) Amazing. Slot corner who just got elevated off the practice squad is just going to have the widest eyes. I don't (laughs) be like, oh, no. What do I do? Absolutely. That's fantastic. If that's a uh, quarter, hell, if it's Buda Baker, I mean, if it's someone like that, I think he'd be like, I want none of that. <laughs> I mean, Derrick Henry, like, is just, like, slapping people on the side. AD will blow on someone. <laughs> Derrick Henry, though, man, he's got to realize some of these guys got mothers, man, because, like, he's he's just, like, hurting feelings out here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just like, I need him to like, bu- like when I have like a bug or a spider in my house, like he just makes it so easy where I'm like, oh no, it's not even moving. I'm so much bigger. 
It looks like high school highlights where like you can clearly tell which guy is going D1 against right. everybody else. And then Derrick Henry is just towering over everybody, throwing grown men to the ground with half an arm. It's just crazy. I know. It makes no sense. It was literally just a hand. His thumb is like stronger than everyone else's. Uh, some other news from around the NFL while we're talking about Derrick Henry, um, but Kevin Green, Hall of Fame pass rusher, former Ram. He died earlier this week. Um, his death was certainly felt around the NFL. Steve, just wanted to get your thoughts on Green's career and just overall, you know, player. Yeah, I mean, this is tough. I mean, first off, he was only 58 years old, four years older than me. So it's like, whoa. And, and, and I think that's why so many of his peers around the league and so many of the younger players that he coached um, were really taken aback. And look, when Kevin was a player, you know, he had this, that, the long blonde hair flowing under his helmet, but he, he played at a different level, right? He was an absolute maniac. And, and so when he was coming off the edge, it wasn't like he was hitting, you know, all these great moves like you see guys do. He just, it was a speed guy or he would just physically overpower guys and then he would just mangle the quarterback. And he did it for years. And when I remember when he was with the Rams, you, know, you would see this number 91, like, oh man, who is this guy? And then it's like, you know, he became a household name. And then when he went to the Steelers and he was paired with Kevin Green on the Blitzburg defense, I mean, they, they were absolutely insane. I mean, that's when they had you know, Rod Woodson and all these Hall of Fame type players. And even when he ended his career with the Niners, I mean, he was a double-digit sack guy. And, and so, you know, as a player, I mean, everyone's going to remember the tenacity and the, and the screaming. He was like a pro wrestler. I think he even dabbled in pro wrestling post-career for real. Um, but he was the Ric Flair woo guy. And, you know, I got to know him, Serena – you know, I do a lot of the Pro Football Hall of Fame stuff for the NFL Network, and I do several projects actually with the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. And so I really got to know Kevin in 2016 um, when he went in, and we spent several days together. Um, you know, he, you know, he he was a religious guy. Uh, we talked a lot about him coaching. You know, he coached with the Packers, Clay Matthews, with the long blonde hair, had some of his best years with with Kevin. Um, but how he really, you know, was always trying to give back and tips for pass rushers or how to, how to handle certain coaching scenarios. Um, and I just remember how much he talked about his son was going to play at Southern Miss. His son is now at Mississippi College after playing at Southern Miss. But just all those conversations and really learning the human side of Kevin um, after seeing him play like, you know, getting a man with his hair on fire for all those years. It's like, whoa, here's a great story. Um, so after the 1994 AFC championship game, the Steelers were the heavy favorites. They were on the collision course to meet the Niners in the Super Bowl, and they lose to the Chargers in a total upset. Um, and after the game, I, I have to do a loser's locker room. I was working at the Miami Herald at the time. And somebody, you know, Kevin's getting all these questions. He's so annoyed. He just starts brushing his teeth right in the middle of the scrum. Like, I just don't know how to handle this. Like, it, it was just a stunning upset. And so, somebody asked him, Kevin, is there a positive you could take from this loss? And that's where he was like, over it. He's like, you know what? The next person who asked me a question like this, I'm going to cold cock them and worry about the lawsuit later. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm never going to forget that one about you, Kev. What? 
No, he was that. He was that guy. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, I just, you know, while we're doing the Zoom, I, uh, I just got a text from somebody um, who works in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, they're devastated. It's a devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough. And I, I hate the phrase thoughts and prayers. I feel like it gets thrown around so much, but certainly all of us thoughts and prayers with his family during this time right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, just because we're on the topic of the Steelers, I'm going to try and tie it back with the Rams. Steelers started off 11-0 and and are now on a three-game losing streak. Is there some – like, should the Rams fans feel not as awful about dropping one to the Jets <laughs> with a two-team – or two-win team with a backup quarterback just takes down an AFC favorite? <laughs> Nice try. He's shaking his head. Give me something. Just a little bit. No. No. (laughs) We take the cake. I mean, they always say, man, it's not how you start. It's how you not where you're from. It's where you're at. All right. Uh, And you know that doesn't take this. That doesn't take the stain off that Jets loss, and it shouldn't. Yeah. Steelers misery their own, and they clearly have some things to work through because. They might lose a division to Cleveland. This is so 2020, man. I mean, Cleveland might, might win the division over a team that started 11 and 0. And I mean, it's it's just insane some of the things that we're we're kind of seeing. Uh, like the Bengals, the backup quarterback, you know, beat Pittsburgh. Um, but no, it should not make the Rams feel any better. I mean, what they did out there. Sunday, as Sean said, is, is sick to your stomach. If you're a good football team, you look at what the Colts are doing right now. You look at what the Titans are doing right now. You look at how some of these teams are who are for real are fixing their little issues, and they're, they're playing excellent football when you have to play it. Look at Baltimore is doing right now. They, they were all over the place, and they're starting to rip it off. So, no, the, the, I mean, look at Seattle. Oh, yeah. Look at Seattle. Seattle. I mean, Seattle's yep. defense has been a joke, and now they're starting to figure it out at the right time. So, if the Rams don't answer Sunday, um, you know, they've got no one but themselves to blame. They've got talent. They've, they've, got, they've got the coaching staff. Um, they've got to stop giving the darn ball up. And they've got to play with a sense of urgency because this, this, is, this is crunch time, and no one's going to feel sorry for them. Everybody's had to play games with no fans in the stadiums. Everyone's had to play with backups because of COVID. Um, it, it's time to, to, to show themselves who they are if they really want to get into the playoffs. True. All right, right. Maddie. Serena, it's already time for our socially distant <laughs> social segment. And I know you're excited for this Coming to America sequel that is apparently coming. Bow, 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 bow. Uh, Here we go. Apparently it's a classic, but uh, it's before my time. Matt just dated himself to like the 90s. Like he's Where? just... Before my time, bro, I wasn't born when Bogart was doing Casablanca, but I've seen it. Okay. Right. I respect it. I, right. I may have just watched Titanic for the first time last year. So classic movies, I feel like I'm just never – there's so many movies that people are like, oh, you haven't seen it. And I'm like, I know what happens. The boat sinks. So I don't <laughs> – Yeah, you might want to get off your PlayStation from time to time. Okay. <laughs> I will admit that it's much much better than I anticipated. So it's inspired me to uh, maybe actually go watch a lot of those classic movies. Yeah. Eddie Murphy dominates Coming to America. The sequel just came out. So I've been on a hype train. Although 
I don't like sequels. Like I actually am not on sequels. I think like there are like two or three sequels that actually worked, but that's pretty much it. So Matt, I'm stealing your social segment because I was super hyped about coming to America though. And Steve, I know you know this classic. So is there another sequel for both of you that like could actually be good, which I'm hoping maybe coming to America, maybe Eddie Murphy just wants to work some more, but is there another sequel? Like I was trying to think maybe, I don't know. What, what did I mention before, Matt? Um, you, oh man, I don't know. As, uh, as, as you wish. Um, oh, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Like, do we bring that movie back? <laughs> I don't know. Not my genre, Serena. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think personally for me, like sequels aren't ever really like that necessary. They're mostly just like a money grab because I guess when you write a movie, you're pretty much anticipating like this is your vision. And then if you're including a sequel, then like, I don't know, it just feels... It feels like you're but, just trying to tack on to success. But, but that's where we are. I mean, that's why, you know, the motion picture industry, when it comes to theater pictures, are the franchise, you know, your Fast and Furious, your Marvels, where you've got, right. you can spawn off all the things. When you talk to great movies, I mean, it's hard. I mean, like the Rocky, the first couple of Rockies were great. Godfather 2 is, was absolutely fantastic, right? When you, when you think about some of those that are, that are really good, I tell you, Matt, this might be before your time since you don't really like dig great movies. But I think, and my favorite movie of all time is Usually, <laughs> right? With Kaiser Sose and all of these characters. It's one, it's one of the greatest whodunits of like how much of this really happened and how much of it really didn't. And at the yeah. very end of the movie, for those of the people who haven't seen it, there's just, I didn't see that Insane. coming. Insane. Yes. I think, I think there is a way where you could pull that off into a sequel. I think, I think there's yeah. a way that Verbal Kent could resurface. It's on I my like list that. of, of that I will that tell people that I will watch eventually and hopefully. That should be like number one. Okay. On the one where you're just like, I mean, there's a couple movies where no matter how many times you watch them, you're like, well, like Snatch is another one. Any Guy Ritchie movie. Oh, good. But Snatch with, you know, Brad Pitt. Now you're, now you're getting my genre. It's definitely not Princess Bride. There we Bride. go. Um, you know, the Guy Ritchie. <laughs> Great. That would be a good one, too, if they could find another one like that. But Guy Ritchie always kind of spawns off into something like that. He's got that spawns. good. They, they set uh, the 21 Jump Street reboot to, like, because I really liked the 22 Jump Street and how self-aware they were about sequels for movies. And then they set it up at the very end to like continue this for year after year after year after year. And I'm pretty sure it was a joke because I haven't seen anything about any new films, but they set it up perfectly. And it's like a, a great uh, interpretation of like what the sequel. Oh, oh man. Yeah. See, Matt, you probably want to see a Project project X sequel. You know, uh, have another yeah. house. Why? Because my hat's on backwards. No. <laughs> what, what about like white man can't jump? Bring back Rosie Perez or something. Like it could happen. So I actually just saw her in a, uh, a series. My wife and I were watching on uh, HBO. Flight attendant. Right. So I read yep. the uh, I read the book and the book was fantastic, and this sucked. I was like, no. What they tried to do with <laughs> it. But seeing Rosie Perez back again, okay, that was that was different. 
I didn't finish watching Flight Attendant. I was out on it. I was like, this is just too... Oh. You, you're, they're going too far. Like, I was like, if they kept it actually a little more simple, but, like, the... Uh, Kaylee Kluko, or, or I forget the lead actor's name, but she... It was just all too much. The book I is already kind of was like... Read the book. The, the book, book is, is good. They okay. ruined it. Maybe like, I read first and was like, oh, this is trash, because the book is really good. Okay. I know. People had told me about Flight Attendant. I started watching it, and I was like, no, nah, I'm good. This is okay. No. You know what's actually a sneaky good show? Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Everyone <laughs> says it's great. Now, I haven't watched that one. I've yet to meet anyone who said it's not fantastic. That, you, it, you would think it's cheesy and corny. Jason Sudeikis, like, does such a good job. You completely buy into his character. The the casting is amazing. And this is coming from Queen's Gambit, The Undoing, and um, and I actually like Killing Eve. Like, those shows have been my top shows that I've watched. Great. Wasn't feeling The Undoing. Wasn't feeling The Undoing. I thought it was a little much. I thought it was a little too melodramatic and too unbelievable. I don't think the casting was good. Uh, well, that's you, because um, what's her name doesn't have an accent. Like, you have no idea where she's from ever. Yeah, you Grant me in that role he's not too he's not a much, he's not enough of a g to pull that off yeah it was a crazy ending i was about it though i was like whoa watch small, my small acts on amazon small acts okay it, it's a series it's a four-part series but they're completely different segments made by steve mcqueen who 12 years a slave you'll enjoy they're all completely different about different generations of the West Indian community over in London from the 60s to now. It's dope. It's, and uh, what's his name? The uh, Bodega, the guy in Star Wars is in one of them. He's insanely good. Okay. Yeah, sir. And if you like The Undoing, you should check out The Night Of on HBO as well. Oh, I've seen The Night Of. That's, That's my, great. one of my favorite. Um, Totoro killed it in that thing. Oh yes. my gosh. I tweet, I was like, he needs to like see my tweets because I'm just tweeting about him so much. It's a crazy, yeah, oh, the, that was a good one. Real quick, I know we're boring your people, but the lead actor yeah. in that movie is in, I just watched another movie he was in on Netflix, I believe. And it's something about metal. It's not heavy the, metal. The but Sound of Metal or something, whatever it's called. It's incredible. He's a, he's a musician who loses his hearing. Oh. And it is just, it's, it's riveting. You know, and that guy is such a great actor. Um, that's another one for you. Yeah, that, that See, is great, great. We got, a lot and it looks really good. We got something. We didn't get sequels, but we did, from coming to America to the the sound of metal. Well, fine. We we still supplied listeners with something. So um, speaking of that, I'm ending this with say what. Uh, we take a quote from a player from the week. Um, this one goes to the kicker, Matt Gay, um, because it's been interesting, right? There's no sound. They're going to Seattle. It's usually the loudest place to play. And he kind of had an interesting take on playing um, in Seattle, but also it's quiet and his thoughts on that. So here, I'm going to play this for you guys. The quiet is 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 just as much as like a loud you can hear everything when it's quiet so you can hear guys in the opposite line chirping exactly what they're saying to you or as opposed to maybe just a loud deafening noise that kind of blocks everything out i actually think i would be just as distracted hearing like 
hey, you, your mom. Like, I'd be like, hey, that's mean. <laughs> Instead of this, yeah. I can't hear anything. It's all, I, to me, I'm like, you're right. Maybe it's worse. You, you have to be locked in. I mean, it's like, it's like in high school, right? So where I went to high school in Missouri, we didn't play on Friday nights because we were so far out. We didn't have lights to play Saturday afternoons. Our crowds were maybe a couple thousand, but on the field, I mean, you could hear all conversations. So, you know, when kickers are kicking, you're talking about their mothers, their sisters, you're hollering out phone numbers of their girlfriends, you're doing whatever, right, to try to distract them. So you've, you've got to be here. You know, and using a, a football term, you have to see the world through a straw. And so that, and that's what these guys are dealing with. Because, you know, when people only see it on TV, that crowd noise is only pumped into the TV. They're not hearing, they're not hearing that in the stadium. And, guys, I've, I've covered a game in Seattle this year. And to be in that stadium, which you know is, is so deafening loud, and the fact it is played in a tin can now, it is the weirdest, strangest thing of all the stadiums I've been to. And I was just in New Orleans. Oh. And, you know, of all the stadiums, it is not CenturyLink anymore. I forget what it's um, – it's called now. They've got a new naming. It's essentially like it kind of morphed into this company now. But to be in that stadium, and again, it is an echo chamber. It is bizarre. It is It is like, again, none of the, none of the stadiums I've been to. So far, none of It is like, ah, this, is, this is 2020 right here. I'm sorry. Here's the name of the, the new name of the field. It is... First and goal, Inc. Lumen Field. Lumen Field. That's Lumen right. Field. CenturyLink became Lumen. Yeah. Not just as a company. It's Lumen. It's quiet. <laughs> Man, well, there will be a lot of, I'm sure, noise to be heard on Sunday. The Rams, they've got the game of the week at 125 in Seattle. So tune in for that. They need a win, and that'll do it. Another episode of Rambling in the Books. You may not be able to join us at SoFi Stadium this season, but, hey, we cannot wait for you guys to step into the Rams' house 2021. There's still time to be among the first to experience a new Rams' house, so make sure you get your season tickets, therams.com slash 2021. And, hey, Get the download on the app. Just download the app, stay up to date, listen to Steve Weiss, drop some knowledge, listen to Matt, not know about coming to America. It's going to be great. Happy, happy week, guys. Thank you, Steve, for coming on the pod.